Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. And joining me today is Victor Valanchek of the Houston Kules. Victor, it's been a long time. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Gabriel. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, we were supposed to, well, we were tentatively going to record last night, but here was a late night game. And I was just telling you that I watched the 49er Green Bay game and it was, it didn't end till six in the morning here, uh, local time. So I was pretty exhausted. But I was able to watch a little bit of the sports today and kind of get a different perspective on yesterday's game. But before we dive into the men's, I really want to go kind of in order and just talk about the feminine because for as much chaos as the men's team is, the women's team is such a delight. We've been chatting about this in our WhatsApp group and so forth. The women won the Supercopa, I would say, very easily yesterday, and they won 7 nothing. Uh, your thoughts on the feminine, just the accomplishments they continue to mount up you know, as I tweeted out uh, yesterday, if they win the tripleta this year, I think they'll go down as the best football team ever in, the, in a two-year span. You know, I think this is – well, that's going to be – I mean, you're, if there's any comparison to any t- uh, any uh, uh, women's team that you would want to make to being a great team, uh, when you look at uh, what Lyon has accomplished in their, what, I think five Champions League wins, I think that'll be something someone would d- definitely argue as being, you know, one of the great, you know, teams. I think they pretty much, you know, set uh, the, raised the bar, set the bar for what, uh, everything that Barcelona is doing from a, from a program perspective uh, and bringing in the right players uh, and the confidence to be able to achieve such great things. Um, no question that they're, they're what they're doing right now is going to go down into the history books. So uh, I'm just excited for, you know, where we are right now. And uh, again, the first piece of silverware is now on the shelf for the new season. And I'm just excited for the rest. Yeah, and also like they just sold at the Camp Nou, so I think that's going to be great. And we posed that question, right? Why don't they just play all the matches at the Camp Nou because they're the most exciting Barca product right now? I mean, I thought that would be an interesting thing. Obviously, logistically, it'd be a little bit difficult. But again, I just find them so pleasurable to watch, especially how they just, after one goal, they, they're hungry. They continue to fight for that, and I think that is something lost on the men a little bit is when they go up a goal or they they are kind of holding on for the victory as opposed to going after it where the women really show that i mean yesterday i put this in the whatsapp group i went to take a shower it was zero zero i come out it's two nothing and that's how it works you 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 can't miss a a single minute with their matches and i think we're going to find a lot of analogies between you know people can make like you like a decade ago you know barca was the the was the premier you know, club in the world. Uh, now, a decade later, it's the women in the women's, you know, realm that are the premier club in the world. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it's constantly making the comparisons when you, we watch the, you know, when we watch you know, what happened yesterday compared to just the, the pace of play and the sense of urgency that uh, with every time they get touch the ball, 
there, there, there's never a lethargic. There's never any, it, it never feels slow. It's constantly moving. Um, the one touches the, you know, the turning and constantly the moving forward down the pitch, uh, the ball's constantly moving forward. It's completely the opposite of what we're seeing on the men's side. And that's like you said, it's, it's like you, know, you put it in the, in the chat, it's like a warm blanket. Right. And I think <laughs> I put, I think I put it in the chat a couple of weeks ago that I'm like, if you want to feel good before this game, the men's game coming up, watch the feminine. Cause at least you're going to feel good walking away from that match. Yeah. They, I can't, there's, I can't say enough good things about them because uh, you know, where they are right now, even with some of their injuries, right? They have injuries. I mean, yeah. they have Aitana uh, is what, she's basically like the, you know, mini Iniesta and on yeah. the pitch. And she's just, you know, I actually felt like I, I, you can, I actually missed her presence as good as they were. You missed her presence because that ball just is like glue on her feet and she tacks the box and we missed a lot of opportunities because she's not in her, not in that role, but yeah. no question that, We've seen some huge, some huge players like Jana Fernandez. I think that's one of the coolest things. She's what all of like nineteen years old, yeah. And she comes in, Mappy Leone, who's like the she's like she's like the PK, right? She's the uh, absolute uh, center back defender. She's never losing her spot. She's she's the international Spanish international center back as well. And um, she gets hurt, and what does Jana and a nineteen year old come in? She's rocking. They're trusting yeah, yeah. 100% trust in her with the ball and moving that ball forward. And every single, she's been nothing but amazing. So I've been so excited to watch her play. Yeah. The thing I'm also impressed with is new coach, basically half the team, you know, they replenished it, you know, they've lost through free agency. They brought in new players and, you know, Hanson, it's just like incredible. And then it's just like the whole team is just incredible to watch. But, you know, I just wanted to start off with that because, you know, again, they, they demolished Atletico Madrid yesterday in the Supercopa to get the first hardware and they're already, you know, leading the league. So that's almost going to be a guarantee. It's just the Copa de la Arena and the Champions League that's going to be kind of in doubt because that can go either way. So we'll see about that. Well, well, we just, uh, you know, it's 10 o'clock local time here in Madrid. And, I, you know, the news just kind of came by on Twitter that Ansu Fati has decided to not operate. And this has kind of brought up a little bit of quick debate on our WhatsApp chat. And I was curious to think about your opinion on this because I'm, you know, I understand both reasons. You know, obviously you don't want to wish an operation. Operation is always, even though they say minor, it's still an operation. But I'm kind of under the camp that I kind of wish that he did have the operation because I feel like there's less that can go wrong as opposed to the rehab. And more importantly, Victor, with the track record of this, re you know, our medical staff with muscle injuries, I just feel more confident with an operation than trying to trust them with having the tendon heal itself and then to go from there. What are your thoughts on Ansu deciding not to operate? You know, I, I've been, this is kind of the first, I, I knew that he was, that a decision was going to be made today. Uh, I didn't know what that decision was until you just shared it there. And when I think about it, I mean, the, you can't help, but think about Umtiti when it, yeah. it, 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 that, that scenario, that decision point that he chose to go do some alternate therapy on it. And we know it didn't work. Right. And so now you think you're like, ah, oh, you're like, if this is his decision, is it going to work? You know? And so I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. You just, you, we obviously have a really bad taste in our mouth when it comes to these, uh, these, uh, decisions so yeah i'm kind of the opinion especially with this type of injury so basically the tendon they're basically gonna, like if they had the operation they would you know staple it on essentially and 
you know, I feel like there's less risk in that just because they would be more in charge of what's going to happen. Again, for me, the worst case scenario is that he doesn't operate. There's a setback and then we completely lose him for the season. And then all of a sudden it's just a year to loss for Ansu. And more importantly, it's like the confidence. And I know the club is trying to portray this story of him. Like Messi went through the same thing, but at the same time, it's a little bit different just because Ansu had knee operations, you know, it's not just the hamstring like what Messi had. So I am definitely concerned because, you know, even though he still is super young, this is not a good track record and it's really difficult. You know, I would say more importantly, the confidence to come back because as you know, with muscle injuries, it's really hard to pinpoint when that could activate again. And maybe you're kind of always guarding yourself when you're playing. So maybe he not be, may not be able to be full speed going forward. Maybe like, let's say in April, you know, when we need him, because we desperately need his goal scoring. And you always wonder about someone, a player being in form and then losing that, losing that form and, you know, through time. And we've been real fortunate that he's come, he, he's gone and he's come back and he's still got the magic. We're just, does that magic continue? You know, like yeah. that. I mean, this is the thing, you know, with sports injuries, it's all about timing and different things. I mean, you know, there's obviously, you know, when Iniesta before the World Cup was suffering under major injuries, you know, and he had to put it together. And also psychologically, that does a deal for him as well. You know, so those are the things that I'm looking at. Obviously, Ansu's a strong guy. I know he is. But again, just the setback, you know, especially we saw the reaction when he came out the field crying. And more importantly, you know, it's one of those things that like maybe two years ago, we would have this luxury since we still had Messi carrying us goal scoring wise. But we desperately need his goal scoring because right now we, we just cannot find the back of the net. No, there's definitely some, you know, I, I don't know what it is. It, it, trying to figure out how to we've been playing multi, all kind of different strategies up in that front three. And once again, uh, you know, we when we gave Luke. You know, we're like, okay, let's continue to put in Luke because he's starting to score. But then another part of the system broke down because we didn't give him any balls to to do anything with. If you don't, if if your strategy is to put someone like Luke De Young in there into the middle, then you got to deliver balls to him, which we failed to do yesterday. And so, yeah, we don't have a we don't just have no, no consistency in our ability to on attack. Yeah, and this goes into the thing, right? I mean, Luke had one pass where he hit that shot wide. It looked good it. for a second, right? And like you said, there's this inconsistency. And today in the in the in the sports show that I watch, uh, they had a really good, interesting question. They had it for debate, and they just said, "Is Chavi's tenure so far really that much better than Kuman?" And so I'm curious to hear kind of your perspective, especially with your you know with your group of people that you watch with the Houston Kool-Aids and stuff. What is kind of the overall? And I think for me, really quick, I think it's really hard to differentiate Xavi as the player that I love right now and Xavi as the coach. Because statistically, as we put in our WhatsApp group, it's a little bit worse than Kuman. And yes, they sometimes look like they're hustling more. But at the same time, this is a results business and I know they have to grow. But like, how do we judge what's going on with the team under Xavi recently? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, does I think? Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I I feel like I don't want to start trying to compare and try to compare apples to apples right now. Sure. He, I think he's really still toying with the fact that yes, he's here. Are the cards I'm dealt with, and then here are my injuries that I'm dealt with. You've got things like Ferran Torres coming in 
right? And he's coming in off being injured. So you've got a, you've got a break in period for him and not only getting back to fitness, but also you've got him trying to just gel with the team. You've got this thing where Luke, you got Luke DeYoung coming in and all of a sudden he peaks, he gives you something for a few matches and you're like, well, you can't just take him out of the game. You're going to like, well, that might be working. So you try to continue to make it work. And then we see it didn't work. Uh, you got, you know, uh, you got the magic coming in with Ansu and then now he's out. So all of a sudden you've got, he's constantly toying with a system that, that right now and to think he's going to get it right. I mean, I, I got to, I'll give him credit that the, the first half was abysmal. The first half was abysmal yesterday and he decided he did something. He must've talked to Frankie. I don't know what <laughs> it was, that conversation he had, but he unleashed him. He took him, he, he took him out where he was basically playing in the, playing on the the back line and helping out, helping to get the ball out of the back line with the defense. And then all of a sudden second half, he's on the front line, breaking the breaking, you know, into a striker role. And we saw just complete flip and change in the game because of it. It still wasn't enough. It was barely enough to get the win. But when you, when we have, we have these, these, these challenges, he, I think he's, he's trying to figure this thing out as he goes, because, um, you know, he had to make a change. He had Ferran on one side and Abde on the other. And 15, 20 minutes later, he had to switch it around. Um, I, I, I think Ferran is, is still not giving us – he's just, you know, at this point, everything. Um, I will criticize him and say that, you know, he brought in what – I will criticize him on, like, when I saw Jukla come in, I was like, why didn't he come in sooner? I'm like, we knew – he knew that – Luke wasn't working. He knew Luke wasn't working up and through the 70th minute, but he kept him in there when he had someone like Jukla who could have come in and made a bigger impact. Now he came in and three minutes later we scored, but I know it wasn't his, his doing. It was the culmination of everything he did to allow Frankie to move forward in the front for, into the forward half of the pitch. So so do you, let me ask you this with this, you know, I, it's funny because, you know, when Chavi came in, he was, you know, obviously super happy to get the job. He was all up about it. And I saw a video uh, the other day where he was walking uh, in the hallway and one of the mascots poked him and he just kind of struck at him, you know? And I, I, it's just funny how being the coach of Barca is so difficult because of all the pressures, right? It's funny how, you know, we've seen the memes, where Chavi's going to come in with a full head of hair and he's going to come out as a bald man, you know, that type of thing, right? We've seen it with all the previous coaches and so forth. Now, my question for you is, do you think Chavi just didn't realize how bad this team was? <laughs> I, I don't think, no, I think he pretty much knew. I think he knew, but I mean, how does he, how does he not turn down the club? You know? No, no, club, no. I, I understand you know, that. I, but I'm just, I'm just saying like, you know, obviously when he came in, you know, he was hyping all the, the philosophy, working at the back, having numbers and all stuff. But like, if we, if we honestly look at this, like, sure, there's glimpses of that, but the consistency is what's lacking, right? Especially like when I look at the passing from the backfield, the mishandling of Ter Stegen's balls, basically going, you know, from passing, not having a really great midfield that is moving dynamically together, you know, like how many times either it's Busquets or DeYoung or something, when they look to pass up, there's no one around, right? They always have to pass back. And those are the things that maybe Chavi, you know, I thought was going to instill this uh, philosophy stronger. Maybe obviously it's taking some time, but at the same time, you know, maybe, you know, from the outside looking in, we're criticizing, you know, working with them. He's like, wow, these guys just really aren't that good or Barca quality. 
Well, some of the things I would, I mean, and I saw this yesterday. You you saw like tons this slow, methodical, and it wasn't even methodical in a, in a way that for purpose. It was just they were slow, and everything just took so many so many touches and so much time to develop that they really couldn't get that ball out. And unfortunately, you know what I was reading, and it, it made sense here, is that they were that there was nothing from the center. The center backs were pretty much staying back. And nobody was being daring. Nobody had confidence in anybody on that pitch to move forward with the ball and to break those lines and get the and make those passes. Um, you know, interestingly enough, a lot of people cr- criticize Garcia for his, Eric for his for some of his errors, but that's one of the one of the things he probably does really well is bringing that ball out. And we just didn't see it yesterday. Not the lack of confidence, the lack of being daring to get that ball forward. In the team holistically, you saw frustration with Pedri. Pedri is the one that everybody pretty much praised yesterday because he was over there trying to motivate the veterans to to make things happen. And um, so I don't know where that is. I don't know where that lack of confidence and where that lack of being daring yesterday was all about, but it just made for one of the worst first halves we've seen in a long time. (laughs) Literally put us to sleep. I mean, that's what it did. I mean, and the thing is, I was just watching, you know, they have this show here in Spain called El Dia Después. And what's really cool about the show is they take each game and they really go behind the scenes of the game. So they show like the coaching from the sidelines, you know, during actions and stuff. And they have them mic'd up essentially. So you can really hear what they're saying. And one of the things that Chavi kept saying in yesterday's match was patience. And I find this ironic because I think maybe, like, as you just said, maybe there's too much patience. Maybe we're not taking these opportunities for counters when we have 3v3, two, you know, that type of opportunities where I think maybe we should take those opportunities because every time we try to be patient, nothing comes to fruition, right? We never have like a really good attacking ball. So maybe there's, I don't know, I'm just, I think maybe Chavi's still kind of mix, mixed up with the way he played at Barca, which obviously was patience, but also we had such a great team at that time, obviously with the dynamism that was going on. But now it's just like, yeah, patience is a good thing, but also it's not leading to real clear attacking opportunities. I mean, yesterday, I mean, well, we had one in the first half, if that, I mean, if you really want to call that. And then in the second half we did score, but it was just kind of a fluke thing that just kind of happened. It wasn't a planned attacking that we were going forward and, and being methodical. No, I again. I wish I, I wish I knew what, what where that came from. But it was just just watching it, just so slow and every and that 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 patience was patience to the, just on the other side. It was just a negative <laughs> patience. Yeah, I mean, you know, it reminds me of uh, what's it called. I was just talking to, with this with a friend of mine when um, uh, this is a long time ago from the '80s and NCAA basketball when NC State beat Georgetown. And it was like this huge upset because this was before the shot clock, right? And so NC State went four corners and they just passed the ball around. And the, the other Georgetown, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Georgetown or Houston. Oh, no, it's Houston. It was your boy. It was Houston with the Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. Anyway, so and what's it called? So NC State just worked the corners. That's all they did because there was no shot clock. And Houston got so frustrated they would try to trap. And NC State would get these layups for like two points, but they spent a minute and a half passing the ball. So the final, the next year, they finally changed the shot clock, you know, to have not to have this happen. But anyway, I was just thinking about this because it's kind of the same thing. It's like you're passing around, but nothing's coming out. We're not hungry, you know, as the opposite of the feminine. Now, what I want to talk a little bit more about is Mr. Alba, Mr. Jordi Alba. 
this guy is something else because I don't want to take away what he did for the club and how he was as a world-class left back and all this stuff. He did that. But it is clear as day. We've been obviously watched the games almost every week and so forth. And just the aging that's been going on and the lack of care that each of the managers have done with Alba preserving him, uh, finding a backup and all these things. And last night he talked after the game on Movistar and he went off. He basically said that he's sick and tired of people talking about him, but he's not bothered by the talk, he said. And then on top of that, he said that they only talk about him when he's doing bad, but they never talk about him when he's doing good and so forth. And I'm just like, really, Jordy? I mean, you have to kind of like have a self-awareness of like, you're just not the same player that you are, that you were once. You were one of the best left backs. I mean, I have memories of him scoring the goal against AC Milan in the Champions League, the, you know, against Italy in the Champions or in the UEFA uh, tournament. So like, I love Jordi Alba, but right now he's my least favorite player going on on Barca when is Chavi going to pull the plug on him or what I mean we'd have no depth so I don't know what's going to happen but at this rate like yes he had an assist last night but I think he just is so there's so many negatives about him on his attack and on defensively he's such a liability like I don't understand how they're not seeing this on film and to, to do something to help him because for example, he's always on an island and he gets burned. Like we saw in the athletic Bilbao game when he got burned in the first two minutes of the match. There's like no excuse for that. So I, I don't know what Xavi does with this Jordi Alba quandary. Does he, is he just blindly using him because he has faith in him as a player when he used to play with him? You know, it's, it. I just, I always, I think about him as a player, obviously. And we were talking about this in the chat, what, what, you know, the demands of that role, at least at, especially at Barcelona, what we, I mean, we have him, you know, running the full length of the pitch back and forth, back and forth, uh, playing and more playing defensively and attacking. Yeah, well, the demands are there. You would hope his what elite seven of his coaching staff, these guys are there with Xavi to be able to go and analyze his his fitness, his ability to do the job that we're asking him to do you know, match in and match out. And if our system is built in a way that requires and asks him to play as forward, which requires all that running, then there's got to be something that they can do to coach him in a way that says, listen, you don't get to do that anymore. You have to, in these situations, you don't get to go that far up the pitch. You need to stay, you, you only can go so far. Something has to happen where they coach him differently. I mean, it's just like in anyone else's job. If you can't, you know, they if they still need him, I still think he can be there. You know, I, it just makes me, you know, do I know the, I, do I know the Barcelona system enough to, you know, to say it's so critical that he plays that way and puts himself in that role in such a risky situation because he's so far up the pitch that he's just no, he's not the right guy for it. Then we need to replace him. Or can we adjust? I ask, can we adjust the way he plays so he doesn't put doesn't put himself in those riskier situations? Because he doesn't have the wheels when he's tired after however many matches a month to be able to keep up with these guys. I mean, to keep up with Nico. I mean, to keep up. You know, uh, come on. Um, yeah, and this this is the thing is that you know as much as praise is Matteo Alemani's getting for getting for Torres and stuff. I think there has to be criticism to this board about not finding a left back, you know, to push Jordi Alba. Because to me, it's been a, a decline for the last two to three years, you know, that's been happening. And it's because he has so much mileage. He was a fast 
left back, but he doesn't have the wheels anymore. I mean, I just pulled up from his performance against the Athletic, you know, 33 times lost possession, zero six crosses, one penalty committed, one of four ground duels won. And I know this is just nitpicking on one game, but this is kind of the overall thing. Like to me, what drives me crazy is his crossing that he cannot successfully cross the ball. He's a world-class player, a professional player. That's one of the things. But again, I, you know, as I said on Friday on the podcast, like I think, you know, Chavi needs to protect Alba and put him more defensively and use a four-back system. I think the three-back system has potential in the future, but I think right now we need to focus better on defense and having him and Danny Alves. I mean, you look at that. We have Danny Alves and Alba part duh, right? Uh, they have no speed, <laughs> no speed. And we're trying to ask them to do wing back moves. I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's lunacy with this, because as we see that we're getting beat over the top constantly and poor Orahu, like Orahu is the only saving grace. Imagine if Orahu wasn't there, we'd have comp- no speed whatsoever on that back line. Now I'm with you. I'm with you. I think there's, I mean, when we, when we think about Javi and think about the, the job he's doing, uh, I think it's all going to come down to those, those pieces. I mean, we know that players just don't miraculously, you know, pop up and show up in our dressing rooms ready to in our training pitches. Uh, we know we need money. We know we need w- uh, windows to do that. And um, if, you know, we've got priorities, right. And we probably can't have everything we want right now. Uh, so how do we make the best for Jordi Alba how, and how did, how do they work with them to make that happen? And we just haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen changes there. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, I, I proposed a four, two, three, one, you know, uh, having Alves and Alves, uh, Alves and Alves, Alves and Alba as the, as, as the defenders with Araujo and PK, and then having the two, you know, you can put whoever the hell you want in there, obviously Busquets, Nico, Gabi, you know, whatever. Then Pedri up the middle. Then I had Ferran Torres on the right. And then on the, on the middle, Luke de Jong. And on the left, you know, put whoever you want, hookla, whoever the hell, you know. And to me, I thought that was going to be the best use of what we have currently, but also allow us to be defensively stronger because we have more protection and you're not asking Alba and Alves to constantly bombard those those flanks because, you know, Alves obviously has influenced some of the games. Obviously, we've seen some of the assists that he has and just kind of what the movement he does. But again, I would prefer him to be on defense because I think we just leave too much space on the corners and everyone knows to exploit that. So I don't know. These, these are like the things I'm constantly thinking. I think these are the things that like if we tighten up these things, I mean, obviously we've been inching up closer and closer to fourth place, which is good, obviously. But at the same time, I think like in these big games against the top tier teams, we're going to have these issues and there's just not going to be an easy game on the schedule ever for this season. I mean, we were talking all of us. We're like, uh, no. No, there's, I mean, there's no, I mean, the next game is against Atletico. I mean, the only saving grace with Alavez was the fact that they, there's a reason why they're at the bottom of the table. Sure. They were so poor in finishing. I mean, oh they, my God. Any, they, I mean, they, any other team would have punished us so bad Correct. yesterday. And I mean, I just, I, yeah, when you say, think about Atleti, you know, coming up, uh, I am just thinking about Jao Felix running down the pitch and thinking, who's going to stop him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? that Those are the things. And and so, like, yeah, you know, especially that, that last strike before the first half, right? And I was laughing. I was like, if you – I just can't believe, like, you just hit it right to the goalie. I mean, I, I, it's like almost you would rather have that, like, if you're the, I'm an Oliver's fan – to sky that at least it showed some effort, but man, that, like you said, if it was any other team, they could have really been down and we wouldn't scratching. I mean, that's the thing is we, our goal conversion and our attacking is so 
lower tier that we can't afford to go down one nothing, right? It's just like we cannot climb, climb back like we used to. And so that's why I just think, you know, Chavi needs to reinforce the defense rather than trying to figure out the offense because I think, you know, I, it's just – it's a quandary, man. I mean, it's just really – it's just really – I mean, we're just in such a transition right now and it's hard to lean on these veterans because you still have the – the idea, the romanticism that they're still going to be able to do something incredible, you know, and, and it's just not happening, especially like, for example, with Busquets that we see. I mean, he's still leading the team in minutes, which is just crazy to me. <laughs> so where, it makes you think, where's that? We need a little Valverde in our life, right? You need a little defensive, you know, we, yeah. we may not have been happy with it back then, but. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, obviously he could have even done better with it defensively. That's the thing. Our team was in a better prime at that time. So those are the things I look at. But again, uh, I just really hope, you know, I really hope, you know, there's obviously a break right now, which is nice. Uh, we don't play till February 6th against Atletico. But again, it's just just trying to figure out uh, where the improvements need to happen. And that's what I'm gonna be really focused on for these next games, because the defense is where I think it's the, you know where we can win those matches and hold and get more points and more importantly just not give up leads those are the things so uh you have any other lasting thoughts about these matches so far against atletico real madrid and uh, all of this no i mean going uh, you know uh falling out in the supercopa it was is not not a, not what you wanted to see definitely not in a classico um you, you definitely it was a rough month but, you know, here's the thing. February isn't getting any easier because when we look ahead, you look at Atleti, uh, we have a derby. We've got Napoli twice, Valencia. I, know. I was just and, thinking and, about that. And, 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 and we have Athletic Club. I mean, you're talking two, four, six matches already scheduled for February at this point that are, yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult I, was, I I totally forgot about the Napoli thing because on top of that, that's a Thursday night match, which leaves a very small window for recovery for the weekend. And, you know, the one thing I would say, the saving grace right now is that Kareem Benzema got hurt last night. Maybe that slows Real Madrid just a tad of their scoring. Maybe they don't get as many points going for me. They, they tied Elche yesterday. So we can see, you know, one of the, the things that they were talking here on the news is that Carlo Ancelotti loves to ride his starting 11 to the ground. And so maybe we're starting to see signs of that. So maybe that could help Barca kind of slow the gap a little bit. But it's all, it's, it's all good. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. But like you said, man, the Napoli, those games scare the hell out of me because I could see us getting – worked really bad because we're just not in the mindset to travel on a Thursday to realize how hungry Napoli may be. And then I can also see us climb our ways through, you know, so kind of those two, <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> put on that Europa League uh, anthem, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to keep watching for every men's match for the first team match. I always got to go watch a Barca Femini match. And yes. <laughs> uh, feel better, or watch one after to feel better after the match. One of the two, whatever, whatever your 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 poison is. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for joining me. Good to see you. We'll talk soon. All right, thanks. Podcast Network.